da, 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 da. Hi, I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who used to sip out of people's sodas at Riverfront Stadium in 1985. Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Join a couple of dolts as we dote out some anecdotes. And welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who proudly wore a Palin for President button to school and also didn't get his first kiss until 18. Coincidence? <laughs> Joining me, as always, is my final kiss, Laura Arnold. What does that mean? You will know when the time comes. Is this one of those things where we make a deal that if we're, like, single at 40 or whatever, we're going to get married? Um, I, yes. <laughs> I'm, I, I would like you on recording right now. Is it 40? <laughs> is that when your, is that when your desperation is going to be so high that you're like, fine, I will marry John? I never thought I was going to live past 27 and I'm 27 right now, so. I see. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things of like, oh, yeah, wait till 40. I'm going to be dead before then. <laughs> so it's an easy out for me. So 40 if we're single by 40? Yeah, let's say 40 for now, and then we'll see if our lives go downhill <laughs> before oh, then. We might, we might bump up the date a little bit. You know, it's always good to be able to, like, renegotiate. You know, like, if we check in every, you know, five years or whatever, then. no. Well, I think we should do it, you know, next season. Let's check in at some point, see how we are. See if uh, that would be a really good just you and me episode of just like take a quiz to see how we would be as a married couple. That would be hilarious. You I feel write like that, that down be... and put it somewhere so you don't forget. You uh, you you actually stopped by the other day. You were traveling co- cross country and so you crashed on my couch and uh, you came in and I had a I had a drink ready for you and dinner on the table. Um, it was great. It's everything I've ever wanted to be like this strong working woman who like comes home and there's dinner and a drink for me you smacked me around a little bit because it was cold (laughs) i did not (laughs) (laughs) no yeah it was great it's like see see we like had a little preview i guess yeah and then we went to bed in separate rooms (laughs) very separate rooms (laughs) yeah very separate floors So that was very uh, that was very accurate to what our our future will be. So yeah, let's let's check in next uh, next season and see if see if our desperation has changed things and moved that date up some. Great. Um, so why do you think that wearing a Palin for president button has anything to do with the fact that you didn't get kissed until you were eighteen? How could it not? You just wore it around. Did you wear it like one time, or was this a thing no. that you wore like every day? No, I um. I was a I was a real big fan of of Sarah Palin when she came on the scene as the uh, the running mate for John McCain, and uh, I I thought she was brilliant being a maverick and uh, coming down off of her snowmobile uh, <laughs> down to the White House. Uh, that's my Sarah Palin impression. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, I really loved her. I thought Tina Fey was atrocious for making fun of her on Saturday Night Live. I didn't even know who Tina Fey was at that point. Uh, Where had you been? I didn't have television. I didn't know what Saturday Night Live was at that point. Amazing. Um, And so all I knew was that it made fun of 
the greatest female politician in the history of our lifetime. And I just so want you I to probably... know that you just went on the record saying that. <laughs> well, I I proudly wore the button, and then I would have it uh, attached to my my book bag uh, for the for the rest of the time. But I mean, honestly, would you want to kiss someone who proudly wore a Palin for president shirt button? Mm. I feel like John present past and let's just be honest future does not do any favors for himself when trying to woo uh his potential suitors no wait i would be the suitor (laughs) suities like who on earth who would look at that and be like yes please give me a give me a slice of that muffin (laughs) let's introduce me padre john Seidenberg is a jack of all trades and master of all a scenic lighting and sound designer john is the owner of john Seidenberg designs and the producer of stage right musical theater company a dinner theater in williamstown kentucky welcome to the podcast john that's weird that i'm introducing john Seidenberg, but you're john Seidenberg. <laughs> i know it's super <laughs> well i also i have to say um my father recently got a Facebook account because he needed to be able to like access like the because he had he's the pastor of a church as well. So he needed to be able to access the church's Facebook page and the dinner theater's Facebook page. And so he had to have his own personal account in order to do that. And for the longest time, he did not put a profile picture up. And he would comment on my Facebook page, like things that I would post. And so it was like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, um, made the best, made the best apple pie today. And then you would see a comment from John Seidenberg that was like, oh, you're so talented. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) And I kept being like, dad, I need you to put your, your picture on there because it looks like I am so fragile in my ego that I have to go on and encourage myself (laughs) and so he finally changed the profile picture (laughs) so i think you need to um specify exactly what you mean by that well back when i was 16 i got a job as a vendor at riverfront stadium and it was 1985 the year pete rose hit his 4192nd base hit and I would carry trays of pop or hot dogs or you know popcorn whatever around and sell them they paid you 15% commission no hourly wage so you got 15% of everything you sold and these uniforms were 100% polyester and I would wear like gym shorts and a t-shirt underneath it and it would be like I've been hosed all night I would sweat so much so you'd be working in a hot summer and it would be so hot and you would push in because sometimes they would overfill the drinks and there'd be just a little bit of like that overflow overflow that would come through the little X in the top of the drink. And you just kind of suck that off the top and keep going. You did it where nobody saw. It's not like I drank out of their drink, but I guess technically I did. So while Gen Xers or Yers, whatever the young people are, when they're licking ice cream and putting it back in the freezer at Walmart, you originated that 30 years ago. Now I'm embarrassed. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but I guess it is true. So any, so what you're saying is anybody who was at the Red Stadium in 1980-something... 85. 85 um, is immune to COVID now? 
Yes, definitely. That and I would, we would eat pet, ketchup packets because you would get hungry, you know, because you couldn't stop and eat. You just had to work because the ball game's like three hours at the most, you know, mm-hmm. so you're not working a lot. But you would get hungry, and when you were doing hot dogs, you would always have an apron with ketchup and mustard. Mustard's not good to eat on its own, but ketchup, you could rip a ketchup packet and suck that in and, you know, just something to refresh. Because there are no, like, water fountains easily accessible when you're carrying something. You know, you'd have to set it down and then start off, and it was hard enough to make money with stopping. So you just tried to keep moving and do it. You are my father. Yep. You are my, you're my namesake? Is that how that works? I'm I think namesake? that's the no. I think I'm your my namesake, right? Because yeah, I'm, I'm named after one, you. You're two. Yes. yes, yes, I am number two. What was your first exposure to theater? I was the narrator in the fourth grade play. I couldn't tell you what the actual show was, but I remember I was the one of the two narrators, and that was my first exposure to theater that I remember. In the sixth grade, we did The Wizard of Oz. Um, and there's a funny story if you want me to tell it. But that uh, is the purpose of that, the podcast. That has to do with, you know, when schools do things, you think that things like copyright infringement would never come back to haunt you. <laughs> and the school district that we were a part of, and I remember all this as a sixth grader, because one of the other elementary schools in our district was performing Annie. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, that would have been sometime like late. 70s early 80s like 79 80 somewhere 81 at the latest so annie would have been a fairly new movie you know the original one um you know the first motion picture of it Mm -hmm. anyway this other school decided they were going to do annie and in order to do it they got the video of the movie they transcribed everything they were able to get the songbook somewhere and they just performed it okay well, at the same time, we were doing Wizard of Oz the same way they were. We took the, you know, the Judy Garland movie, and they got the music, and they transcribed it, and they literally somebody went through the movie and wrote out all the lines, and Annie performed one night for, I guess, parents or community, and someone called the copyright holder because they didn't see a copyright credit in the program. Oh, and so all of a sudden, we had lawyers from New York, and it was kind of a mess, but I can remember, you know, all of the, the students in our school were all so worried because we'd rehearsed this thing for so long, and now you're getting ready to perform in like a week, I think. Right. And all of a sudden, there was this big injunction and threat of a huge copyright lawsuit. And in order to get out, the copyright holders were very understanding. They allowed um, the school that was doing Annie to go ahead and pay the full royalty they looked at their script and made sure that, and literally it was about the same thing as the Broadway show, but I think some of the scenes were different and there mm-hmm. was no Punjab in the Broadway show. So, right. you know, some of those changes they made them do. But Wizard of Oz, literally what we did was the Royal Shakespeare Company, which is the same show most people do, mm-hmm. and we got away from it. But anyway, I wanted to be the wizard in that show, and I didn't get cast. And I always swear it was because I wasn't a popular kid, but... <laughs> It may be, and you will attest to this, I may not be, I may be, you said I'm master of most things, I can't act, and you know that. So, and every attempt is always, like, abysmal, but nobody ever really works with me, I'll just tell you that. So when I was a theater major, you had to take, you know, acting, so I took creative expression, because that was acting for the non, you know, actor. 
Because I really, I wasn't into that. But anyway. So you know uh, how to express yourself creatively. Exactly. So I was scarred after getting not the wizard part. So remember <laughs> that. Those of you listening, if you're like a theater teacher and you're like, ah, oh, that kid, he's terrible. I'm not going to cast him. Well, you just think. He may never want to do this again. So Which long story short. may not be short, a bad thing, teachers. Exactly. But long story <laughs> short, um, the art teacher who was doing the set mm-hmm. for the show also took care of you know all the technical aspects and it was in a gym but they needed someone to run the follow spot mm-hmm. and i got cast as a winky you know the little oeo guys uh-huh. but that's all i did through the whole show and i only had to march in like the two or three times in that show so they put me running the follow spot and after that the rest, I guess they say, is history because when I went to high school the next year, because at her middle school at seventh grade, they needed they were doing Our Town, and he needed the same art teacher, needed somebody to run follow spot, and he called, you know, pulled me out of class and said, "Would you be interested in doing it?" And I said, "Yep," and then next thing you know, I was learning how to run a lighting console and understanding fixtures and some of that stuff. So that sort of started the, I guess now thirty plus year, you know, love affair with performing arts and theater in general mm. okay great um and yes listener um my father has been shoehorned into several different um family video projects i'll call it that i think that's a fair oh, way of describing it high. well we have yes we have our family has our own um mockumentary in the style of the office or parks and recreation uh called 121 high which is following a fictitious version of our family um, it's a uh, it's fully improvised with plot lines created by yours truly and dad is a character in it and um, he's quite a character in it um, it's your best work as an actor actually uh, and then uh, when we were younger my brother and I made this Indiana Jones ripoff of a it's a teenage version of Indiana Jones called Christopher Ides this is where you all make fun of me for my <laughs> now in fairness let's tell the audience the whole truth I was handed the script when we walked into the place where we were going to shoot the scene. Your brother got the script on the ride over, if you remember. And then we walked in, okay, and we're like, here's the scene, and you you set the whole thing up, and I'll still remember, okay? Jacob is, like, at this desk, and we put the script on the desk, and you kept it out of the frame. And I couldn't manage to, like, remember, uh, and, and, of course... When I get excited, my voice gets really high, and I didn't come across. I hated it, but the whole time I was like, "Christopher Hines, what's the meaning of this?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's the first. Terrible. That's your first line." It was, I know, and I'm like, "Oh my, of course, <laughs> yeah." Y'all never let me live that down, but at the same time, I was not fully responsible for that. So, what is the scariest moment that you've had in in a theater? We were. I was lighting a dance show, and. The dance shows that we lit, we would light for recitals for these dance companies that would come into some of the spaces that we would TD in, and they would throw all this stuff at you at once and say, we need this and this and this and this, and you'd have like two hours to pull it off before they would get into actual performance. Mm-hmm. You know, and, there, and so you bust the show. You make it up as you go along. And they had all of this, for whatever it was, they needed a special for something, and it had to be a certain color, so... They hand me, you know, because every dance company, they go get their own gobos made or they go get their own gels because they think, it, they think it makes them legit. So they hand me a roll of color and say, I want this light, this color. So I go up like an idiot, okay, thinking I'm not really paying attention, but I'm in a hurry and I'm just thinking whatever. And I was, it was years ago, but I was on a catwalk 
an actual open graded catwalk mm -hmm. and over the audience uh, yeah but there was the audience wasn't there but there were some people sitting in the theater and i've dropped two things off a catwalk first one is i dropped my ipod which actually survived and didn't break the screen it did dent the wow. case but it did it was in a rubber housing because i was using it to control the dmx in the theater but i dropped my pocket knife that day <laughs> open it was open and it landed <laughs> next to someone in the seat and other than going thank you jesus i didn't kill somebody because that could have been really bad but I, and of course, ever since then, I'm always like, empty your pockets. I should have known way better than that. But you know, it's that you're in a hurry and you're not mm -hmm. thinking safety. You're thinking just, I, I, it'll never happen to me. Mm -hmm. So those of you that are theater people say he's an idiot, and it can't happen to you. Um, as an owner, or not owner, but you know, somebody running the company, probably the scariest thing is when you're going, and it happened a lot in the beginning. Uh, payroll would be like on Sunday after the matinee. And it's Friday, and you're still like $4,000 short. Mm. And I will have to say, you know, the biggest exercise of faith was starting the theater company. Because it never came early, but it was always just in time. Mm. You know, I'd get some, uh, like, I'd have a local uh, government official call me on Friday and say, I've got your check ready for $3,000. Um, can you come get it? Well, I'm actually in technical rehearsal. That's no problem. I'll drop it off to you. And they'd run by and meet me at the door of the theater and go, you know, good luck. Sorry it took so long. And he'd be like, thank Lord. You know, it's, it's, let's go to get it in the bank. Now to our main segment, the anecdotal dote. Here's how it works. I have selected a random word that only I've seen. Your job is to tell a true story based on that word. Your word is break. The first time and only time we ever worked in a union house, I had done a set design for a company that was moving into the Aronoff over in Cincinnati. And I thought it was so cool. You know, here you are. You've worked around this stuff, but you've never been like, you know, on a bigger stage and all this stuff. So... Because that's a, that's a Broadway touring house. Exactly. So we go in, and the Lion King had just loaded into the big space there. So all of their wardrobe cases and everything were in the hallways. And we signed in the same place their cast did and all of that. So as part of our set load in, we backed our truck into the dock. And the lighting crew had been – I did the set design only on that, which is an unusual flip for me because usually I'm doing lighting only, but I did the set design only. And I unloaded all my stuff. Well, they had been focusing lights. We brought in all of our, our flats and everything. And it was break time. <laughs> and I said, well, it's okay. I can still keep doing this. And they would not. I mean, literally, when it was break time, you were not allowed on the deck. They made you clear out into the wings. They made you put down anything you were doing. Literally, if you had a drill, you were supposed to set it down. And they waited on their 10-minute break. So I learned that sort of respect thing and that's something that we've tried to carry through with the professional company to where we do it a lot for the actors for us tech people you just work through it but um you know so when you said break i'm like i can remember i was like what do you mean break this is weird <laughs> thank you so much for stopping by the podcast was it everything you wanted it to be uh, that's more your question <laughs> Because, you know, honestly, I, I think it's really awesome some of the people you've come in contact with, you know, through doing this. And hopefully as the listenership grows, you know, I don't know that I'm going to help you with that. Probably do the opposite. But um, I don't know. Laura and I do a really good job on our own of tanking our own listenership. So I'm not sure that your voice will will be a detriment. 
Well, let's hope not. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's been um, we've wanted you on the podcast for a while, but we just haven't had a chance to do it. And so you are our final guest for season three. Well, I'm congratulations on three seasons. Oh, thank, thank you. And hopefully, after this pandemic mess gets out of here uh, in 2021, we can all get back to doing live shows in front of a live audience instead of live stream shows mm -hmm. in front of a camera and a couple crew people. We've reached the end of the season at last. Yeah. 23 episodes, I believe is correct yeah. uh, for this season, um, which is a record for us. So super exciting, but the fun is not over. It is the farthest thing from over, and I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> wow, there's just never a break. <laughs> you know how, you know how in volleyball when you're like, oh, set up the set up the 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 slap of the volleyball over the net. I don't know volleyball terms. Wow, um, <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> you, know, you know how you know how you set up. You know you, you throw the ball for, for the other spike. person. Yeah. Yes, that's those are the words. Um, <laughs> well, I just set up a perfect spike for you and then you were just like oh a butterfly and then you just face planted into the sand that's yeah no that sounds like me but uh but no the fun is not over it's not because next week she's just dancing i'm she's so excited dancing. i didn't know if i had words i was just gonna let you go we're bantering my god oh, i'm my so god. sorry <laughs> It's like I forgot how to how to podcast with you. We should not ever do any podcasts again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is this it? Are we just going to quit now? <laughs> is, we I'm just had our 50th episode where we were like, no, we're never going to stop. We're just going to keep going. And now we're like, no, it's Shut time. It <laughs> Throw in the Shut towel. Shut it down. Um, no, starting next week, first of all, we are moving. Yeah, we're moving back to Wednesdays. Back to Wednesdays. We've gotten a lot of feedback from people because everyone else's podcasts get released on Mondays. Uh, they like having the podcast released on Wednesdays because it's something new to listen to midweek when you've already binged through all your all your other jib jabs and, you know, your other podcasts. There's so many podcasts out there now. So you'll start seeing next week with uh, the season premiere of our mini series, Gap Guidance will be released uh, on Wednesday. So look for that in your inbox uh, if you are a subscriber. And if you're not a subscriber... Subscribe! Dear God. Okay. It doesn't hurt you either way. <laughs> we need to shut this down. Oh my God. I didn't even look at the script. I just knew that. Listener, the know. best part is that she just, she just looked at me. She just blankly stared at me like... <laughs> What are you expecting me to do right now? <laughs> this is this is this is just me listening to somebody else talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, so join us starting next week with Gap Guidance, our mini series. Um, we uh, were so looking forward to this; it should be a lot of fun. And uh, three different generations of people coming together to answer life's questions. Next week, our first episode is going to be asking the question: What is love? Baby, yeah, don't hurt me. Yeah. Now we're going to have to pay someone a million dollars for the rights to those lyrics. Just cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Great. Uh, 
but uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening this season. Um, we are we are so grateful uh, for sticking with us for all these craziness. And thank you so much to all of the guests who have come in and joined us this season. We've had so many amazing guests, and thank you, listeners, for joining us for yet another season of Storytelling Idiots. Uh, we look forward to you joining us for Gap Guidance next week and for the next four weeks after that. And uh, we'll see you all uh, next week, I suppose, with our mini-series. Is this the proposal? Is this how you're doing it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what season finales are for. They're for weddings and, and pregnancy announcements and engagements are and you, deaths. Are you going to mail me a ring or something? Should I like, uh, give you my <laughs> ring size? Oh, well, it's so... It's so interesting you mentioned that because uh, in our our guest today um, proposed to my mother, spoiler alert, it's my father, uh, proposed to my mother. uh, He asked her if he was like, he was like, if I proposed to you, would I have to get you a big diamond ring? And she was like, no, you could get, you could give me a, a rock out of the fish tank and I would say yes to you. And so when he proposed, he grabbed uh, one of the pink gravel stone things out of the fish tank uh, and wrapped it around her finger with duct tape and was like, would you marry me? And she said yes. And then he got her a really nice designer uh, diamond ring. That's honestly adorable. And I love I know. That. It's disgustingly cute. Yeah. It does make me want to vomit a little, but in like a good way, I guess. <laughs>